Do you ever just randomly think about how the Teletubbies had babies and they're the Tiddly Tubbies? I hate that you brought it up because, <laughs> yes, you're the one that told me that. And I hate it so much, Jane. Umby Pumby! Umby Pumby exists! <laughs> Umby Pumby is out there somewhere. But then they, like, never brought it up again. Also, how did they have babies? I don't know. It's not specified. That's even weirder. Maybe they're, like, test tube babies. Or, like, no one carried them. They just, or, or they got sent from another planet and they were... They I had... thought the Teletubbies were babies. Uh... I thought they were toddlers. No, they're just like aliens who. And then, wait, if they're toddlers, then who's taking care of them? Their house? Their robot house? I don't know. I thought it was just a show about toddlers playing. No, they're creatures. They're the Teletubbies. Okay, toddlers right. don't have televisions for tummies. This is a show advertised for toddlers, okay? I didn't. It's I wasn't... for toddlers, but they're not. It's not like toddlers. I was sitting there thinking, like, okay, I wonder how they sustain their life. Like. <laughs> I was just like, oh, they're just like me. They want to play and have fun and like the squirty machine. Hello, welcome back to You Know What I've Been Wondering. I'm Sarah. I'm Jane. I still haven't figured out anything to say besides where we are. <laughs> I just want to say, and we're in my room. But like, why does that matter? <laughs> um, and it we're is... We're painting a picture. And it is Thursday. I'm going to paint you a picture. It's dark outside. It rained a lot today. It didn't rain a lot today. That's a lie. It was cloudy it rained a lot in Manhattan. today. And it rained a bit. It rained a lot in Manhattan. Oh, it like drizzled for a hot second. Brooklyn. All right. Jane is bringing us the weather report for Brooklyn. I from Manhattan of weather that's already six days in the past at this point. So there you go. <laughs> it does not matter. The buildings are a little damp. It's like on that show. Um, everything's made up and the points don't matter. That improv show with Drew oh. Carey and the people. Whose line is it anyway? Yeah! <laughs> Thank I'm, you for knowing. I never watched that show, but it's that's the so only improv show. It's so funny. You would find it funny. Right. So I should watch it. Jane and I have discovered that her and I are both terrible at when people say you should watch something, you really like it. Both of us, which is I avoid it like thing. the plague. Yeah, I think this is a Leo <laughs> thing. Like our ego. Like if I didn't discover it first, I don't want it. It's trash. Anyway, how was your week? Sense. My week was good. Um, overall, I think I'm very. She's four days into her new job. I'm four days into my new job. Um, with a f- fresh set of children and a like <laughs> a brand new staff that they. Jane and I's favorite thing to do when we watch movies is when there's like a birth scene. Is like when they pull <laughs> out the fresh baby, baby. Is if we're like, that's not a fresh baby. <laughs> See if they got, like, a real newborn. So if they were from the hospital to the set, it was like, here. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, no, you're definitely, like, a month old. Yeah. <laughs> so you have a batch of fresh, fresh kids. Baby. Just yeah, out of the oven. A batch of fresh children who don't really know me or my staff. So we're, it's a, an exciting time. You're of learning. Okay, and it's a new school. So it's a lot of, like... You know, working on the seat of your pants or whatever that expression Fly by the seat is. Of your pants, Flying yeah. with your pants and just like trying to go with the flow and like solve problems as they come and yeah, it's a lot. It's kind of overwhelming, but it will eventually settle into a routine. 
So I'm looking forward to that. And the kids seem cool so far. And I like my coworkers. So how are you, Sarah? I'm good. I am back at my school after a summer away. And I miss them all so, so much. It was really nice to see all of my students again. Um, I was expecting all of them to, like, grow so much. But then I saw them and I was like, you still look like children. Yeah. Um, <laughs> some did of you them, think I... they were going to be, like, lawyers when you got back? Like, we're all adults now. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the fifth graders was kind of like that. Like, he's now taller than me. Um, he The first thing he said to me was, when did you get so short? <laughs> it was really funny. Um, so we were, like, joking around about how tall he is now. But... Yeah, I expected that. I don't know. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to notice how tall they are. And I'm like, no, they're still children. Like, to me, they're just <laughs> shorter than me. Yeah. Um. Some of the some of the pre-K kids who are now kindergarten students, I was like, oh, yeah, like, you're taller. You're bigger now. Yeah. But it happens so gradually that you just never know. <laughs> so, anyway, so I, I'm, I'm good. I'm happy to be back at work. Teach. I taught my class for the first time today, a class of five students, and it's a musical theater class, so we're going to do a strong, <laughs> strong scene with five people. What are some musicals that have just five people? If I got one more, we would do six. <laughs> no, that would be super inappropriate. I'm not going to do that. Originally, I only had three, and I was going to do Hero is my middle name from Spongebob, um, and but now I have five. I mean, you still could. Just I like... could. Yeah. No, I'm going to make them do Hero is my middle yeah. name. It's my favorite, it's my favorite song. Um, and they don't get a choice because they're not the adult. So <laughs> you have to do what I say. Hi, you have to perform SpongeBob the musical. There's <laughs> literally no other option. You're going to do it. All right. So Friday the 13th. I had to practice this all day. Uh, what? <laughs> What did you have to do? I practice? still don't know if I can do this. But do what? I'm nervous. I feel like James about to do a hex or something. No, 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 no. Okay. So uh, there is a fear of the number 13 that it's called the scientific name for it is Oh. Triskaidekaphobia. Yeah, sure. Cool. Yeah. I, I loved that. Triskaidekaphobia. Wow. But the scientific term for the fear of Friday the 13th is... <laughs> She's practicing it. <laughs> Periscavidecatriophobia. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's so many... I was like, what is this, a national spelling bee word? I don't believe you. Where are we right now? So a majority of horse historians... Historians believe <laughs> horse stories. <laughs> a majority of historians believe that Friday the Thirteenth, that like the superstition of it, yeah. comes from the Last Supper. Oh, because there were thirteen people at the table. There were thirteen people at the table, <gasps> and Jesus was crucified on a Friday. <gasps> Good Friday. Good Friday. A lot of people think of. 12 numerically it's just being a really nice complete number it's the number of months in a year it's the number okay. of zodiac signs yeah um, a dozen it's like a there are a lot of things that are I thought it is weird that we have a word for a dozen yeah but not for any of the other numbers there's got to be other ones like I, there's like a bushel is 13 there we this that is a word right but why doesn't 14 get one or 15 i don't know well, also, is it, well, then we have, because we have, okay, so we have decade. Well, that's like a period yeah. of time. 
That's true. You wouldn't say a, a dozen of years or... A decade of I've been years. alive for a dozen. Or... You wouldn't say I've I have like, a decade of books. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's my point. So uh, the idea of the number 13, like, people just, it makes them uneasy because it's like, well, 12 is super complete and then 13 is like extra. Right. And there is this famous example of The Last Supper. Right. Of there being 13 people. Yeah. And so there's a One big superstition <laughs> yeah. of having 13 guests at a dinner table like that's considered something you should never do yeah i have heard that before that's interesting but i've never connected that to the last supper so that brings me to this really cool thing that i read about called the 13 club whoa and in the in the late 19th century there was this new yorker named captain william fowler and he wanted to remove the enduring stigma <laughs> surrounding the number 13 and like 13 guests at a dinner table. So he started this club called the 13 club. Oh my God. And it was like an exclusive society. Whoa. Yeah. And I want to be a part of a secret society. Well, yeah, you can't say that public. Anyway. <laughs> Maybe I am. Maybe I am. Well, the group, they (laughs) would meet on the 13th day of the month, um, regardless of the day of the week, whether or not it was a Friday. Okay. In room 13 at the Knickerbocker Cottage, which was a place that Fowler owned. Was it on 13th Street? No. And they would have a 13-course dinner. That's a big meal. (laughs) I know. Before... They began everything. They would enter and they would cross under a ladder. And the ladder had a banner on it that said, Morituri te salutamus, which is Latin for those of us who are about to die salute you. Because people believed that having 13 guests at a dinner table was a precursor for someone dying. Oh. Because of the Last Supper. Right. Like, this is so goth. (laughs) I know. I want to be part of a secret society that, like, we just do unlucky things and hope for death. No, 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 <laughs> that took me a second. <laughs> Post Bible and Jesus. PB and J. Post Bible with Jesus. Jesus Christ, Penny. Jesus Christ, Penny. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So, Post Bible, you know, the next like big Friday the 13th thing to happen. Yes. Was on October 13th, 1307. Was that on- Friday? Yes, on Friday, October 13th. Ooh, I feel like they're especially creepy when they're in October. October, and then in the year 1307. <gasps> Whoa, um, that like sort of chill down my spine. <laughs> King Philip IV of France arrested hundreds of the Knights Templar. <gasps> this is a lot of secret society stuff. I like it. Yeah, I wonder if it's in my book. I have a book sitting behind you called The Secret History of the World. Wow. Maybe it's in there. Maybe it's in there. Um, the Knights Templar is. Yeah, he arrested a bunch of those and imprisoned them with various charges of illegal behaviors. He basically accused them all of uh, doing super anti-religious stuff, like sinning. They were like, these are all sinners. But (laughs) people later were like, 
he really he probably just like wanted an excuse to like it was really more for economic reasons that he wanted to get rid of this group. Okay. And yeah. he was like, "No, it's for it's because I'm very moral and they're all sinning." And people were like, "No, I think it's really more because like you want to make money. You okay. can't like pretend okay. to have this moral high ground." Yeah. But anyway, so that event happened on October 13th. And then there are a lot of things more recently that happened on a Friday the 13th, the German bombing of Buckingham Palace in 1940, oh. um, the murder of Kitty Genovese in Queens, New York in 1964, um, a cyclone that killed more than 300,000 people in Bangladesh in November of 1970, Yikes. the disappearance of the Chilean Air Force plane in the Andes in October 1972, the death of rapper Tupac Shakur. <gasps> In September he of 1996. Died on the 13th? Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. And the crash of the Costa Concordia cruise ship off the coast of Italy in 2012. That, that happened in... on two th- that happened on the Friday the 13th? Mm-hmm. Wow. In January of 2012. Yikes. Yikes, yikes, yikes. It's also believed, though there's n- not really a way to confirm this, that the day that Eve gave Adam the fateful apple was on a Friday. And <laughs> the day that Cain killed his brother Abel was on a Friday. Oh, what makes people think that? I don't know. They're tracking like, oh, okay, it starts on a Sunday and then they go to bed yeah. and then they wake up again. <laughs> Interestingly, in other countries, there are like slightly different versions of this. Like, um, in Hispanic and Greek cultures, Tuesday the 13th is considered, like, a bad luck day. Oh. Both falls of Constantinople happened on Tuesday the 13th. So I think uh, that's why. There yeah. were two Constantinopoles? The fall of Constantinople to the Fourth Crusade occurred on uh, on Tuesday, April 13th to in the year 1204. And the fall of Constantinople to the Ottomans happened on Tuesday... Oh, the 29th of May in 1453. They both happened on Tuesdays. Only one was Tuesday, April 13th. Okay. I didn't know that Constantinople fell and then was rebuilt. Maybe, I don't know if they mean by fell as in, like, whole city was destroyed, but, maybe like, power They lost the power. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in Italy, Friday the 17th is bad luck. I think I did know that, because I think there was a Friday the 17th while I was abroad. That and they were, like, familiar. spooky. I feel like I learned why. Um, it's like a renaissance thing. Everything in Italy is a renaissance thing. <laughs> it's just Italy. <laughs> it's Italy. Welcome well, to Italy. actually, it has to thing. do with Roman numerals because 17 is XVII. And <laughs> this doesn't make sense to me. Uh, but so if you rearrange XVII, you get VIXI, which is the Latin word for I have lived, which implies lived past tense which means you're currently dead oh so it's an omen of bad luck (laughs) and a funny fact about friday the 17th so in the year 2000 there was this parody movie of friday the 13th yeah and the title of this parody film was called shriek if you know what i did last friday the 13th and the translated Italian title yeah was Shriek I impegni ver oh, I'm so sorry Italians Shriek do you want me to I impegni per venerdì which translate oh venerdì 17 oh my word 17 
Yeah, how do you say 17 in Italian? DJ Sette. DJ Sette. Okay, I'm going to try and say this one more time. Shriek dash. I impegni per venerdì 17. That's great. And that translates back into English as Shriek, do you have something to do on Friday the 17th? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That's really funny. (laughs) Which is different than the English title Shriek if you know what I did last Friday the 13th. It's like, I don't know what you did. I'm trying to hang out with you (laughs) so I can find out what you're doing. (laughs) But that just shows that like, when they are yeah. translating to Italian, like, oh, it's like Friday the 17th. Yeah. Instead of Friday the 13th. They're, they're equally superstitious. There have been a lot of studies into superstitions and why yeah. people believe them. Yeah. And they found, interestingly, that there are a lot of people in the world who don't believe in superstitions, but just kind of believe that it's better to be safe than sorry and will still follow them anyway. Like, they won't yeah. go under ladders. They won't... Break mirrors. Break mirrors. Um... And oh my apparently, gosh, I was religious about step on a crack, break your mother's back in elementary school. <laughs> I was too. Yeah, I like I just like had a flashback of me on the playground of like stepping Avoiding over the cracks. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, and I I will not walk under a ladder, but that's probably I don't I don't know what that is, but I think that's more because I'm afraid the ladder will fall on. Yeah, me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just good safety, construction safety. The thing you're supposed to do to avoid bad luck on Friday the thirteenth are Throw salt over your shoulder and knock on wood, which I I didn't realize knock on wood was like a specific su- thing about superstitions. I thought that was just like a joke of like I just said a bad thing might happen. Let's knock on this so it yeah, doesn't. Yeah, that's so superstitious. Yes, I know, but I didn't know it was a specific like we will do this to avoid superstition and on Friday the thirteenth we'll knock on wood all day long. Yeah, I didn't know about doing it on Friday the thirteenth all day. Like my mom always does the salt over. Like we always do the if you spill salt throw oh, it over yeah, your shoulder. Oh yeah. yeah. Always. Uh, but I do knock on wood all the time because I, I am very superstitious. Yeah. I also, like, I've had so many instances where I, like, think about, like, oh, this thing didn't happen. That's nice. And then it'll happen the next day. Oh, that happens to me all the time. All the time. So I'm, like, just knock. Anytime I vocalize anything, I'm, like, where's the wood? Yeah. <laughs> I am really, sus- like, superstitious about the, the Scottish play. Really? Yeah. I'm bad at that one. I I mostly am like it's the name of a play so we can say it in the world but I will not say it in a theater. I I haven't really been in a situation where I've been in a theater and I've been called on to say it. You know, like I've never yeah. been in that show. Yeah, I haven't really had a deep in depth talk about Shakespeare in a theater. But that's interesting. I had one teacher who had a lot of theater superstitions that she was very passionate, not passionate about, but like believed in very much. Mm-hmm. And one of them was, um, she was like, you can't put shoes on tables. Like she would yell at us if we put our shoes on a table. Interesting. And one time we were backstage, like the night of a show, like getting ready. Like she was mm-hmm. like braiding someone's hair and someone quoted the Scottish play. And she was like, get out. Like, she made them go outside the school building and spit over their shoulder and turn around three times, I think. Oh, my gosh. She was like, don't come back until you've gone outside, spat, spun around. Like, wow, that's she was crazy. furious. And it's like, that's fun. Oh, yeah. So, of course. I'm not, of course. <laughs> I saw there. There's a novel called Friday the 13th written by um, Thomas William Lawson. And I saw that that I had written down and I assumed I was talking about the movie and I was like yeah that was the movie it came out in 1907 and then no it didn't it It really did not it's Um, the oldest film in America (laughs) 
It's what will be left of us after we're gone. Uh, but the novel, Friday the 13th, tells the story of a New York City stockbroker who plays on superstitions about the date to create chaos on Wall Street. <laughs> which is just a mood. It is a mood. It's a big mood. <laughs> but the horror movie, Friday the 13th, came out in 1980. And it's about a hockey mask-wearing killer named Jason. I've actually never seen it. Let me see if there's anything. Because I took a lot of... I have, like, I have my, like, notes here, but then I also took a lot of screenshots on the bus today. I love Jane's chaotic note-taking. <laughs> I, I know. I, this was kind of chaotic this week. It's okay. I was going to do it last night, and then we decided to watch Jupiter Ascending instead, which was a strange choice. <laughs> it's so It's bad. a very bad film. It's so bad. <laughs> oh, um, this professor of psychology at Cornell, Thomas Gilovich... Uh, he believes about superstition that cult there it's a big cultural thing uh-huh. and once something is like embedded into our culture we won't we tend to honor it just like gotcha. to follow cultural practices even if you don't really believe in them you feel like if you're going to ignore it you're just tempting fate Interesting. and so that's why a lot I of get people that. I definitely get that will just follow it regardless of whether or not they believe in it which makes sense to me rather safe than sorry definitely Oh, here's more things that are 12, 12 months in a year, 12 signs of Zodiac, 12 gods of Olympics, 12 labors of Hercules. Wait, wait, wait. 12 gods of Olympics or Olympus? <laughs> what did I say? You said Olympics. Olympus. Oh, Olympus. Okay. okay. <laughs> I was like, who are the gods of the Olympics? I'm going to get more into the Olympics. <laughs> How did you say Olympics when you were a kid? How do I say it? Yeah. Olympics. Oh, my brothers and I could not say it for some reason when we were little. We would always say Olympsticks. <laughs> <laughs> twelve labors of Hercules, twelve tribes of Israel, and twelve apostles of Jesus. Ah, uh, twelve is an auspicious number. Yes, it is. And so the fact that thirteen is one more than that, people are like, we don't want that. Yikes. Yeah, so that's... There you are, Friday the 13th. Wow, thank you. That was so informative. Spooky, spooky. Spooky. This is after Friday, September 13th, but we have another one coming up. That's tomorrow, and it's a full moon, and I'm scared. You're scared? It's going to be okay. Check back in to make sure Jane survived. (laughs) Text me on Saturday the 14th. Yeah. Well, this is coming out on Wednesday the 18th, so let's let's hit up some Reddit stuff. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Hit me up on Reddit. I would like to have a conversation with you, Sarah. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, so we need to have a conversation. We talked about this earlier. Because someone posted on Reddit on r slash too afraid to ask. How does Ronald McDonald sound like? Do his shoes make small flappy sounds? Any detail helps. <laughs> How do Ronald McDonald sound like? <laughs> is that what we're discussing yeah and then someone replied i'm really curious about why you ask this and they replied last night at mickey d's thinking about how creepy ronald is even okay for i feel like they're standards. not a non-english speaker like they have to be an english speaker if they know that it's mickey d's no well, they wrote mcd i, oh, I made you it said mickey d's. D's. okay i was like they spelled out mickey d's <laughs> and wanted to paint me a full picture of him I think Ronald McDonald is creepy. And he's supposed to be like a figure that children like. And I just, I personally think most clowns are creepy. But I think we should talk about clowns and like decide what ones are scary and what ones aren't. Like, oh, let, like let's rank some clowns let's rank in some terms clowns. of scariness. Okay. 
So, famous clowns. Obviously, John Wayne Gacy, real serial killer clown. Very scary. creepy as heck. Creepy, creepy as heck. We have that clown from American Horror Story. Oh, I forgot about him. Creepy Creepy. as heck. I would say say John Wayne Gacy's number one and the clown from American Horror Story is two. Then we have Pennywise. Pennywise is really scary. Pennywise is pretty creepy, but the Bill Skarsgård one is creepy. The Tim Curry Pennywise is on crack. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's creepy for different reasons. He's creepy because he comes across like a real person that's just terrifying. that's true. That's true. And the the recent it, Pennywise comes across as a mythical creature. Yeah. That's what he is. Um, so that's true. That's true. Because he does come across as like a creepy guy in a clown suit. Yeah. Okay. So those are our top, those are our four scary, like supposed to be scary clowns. Now we have the not supposed to be scary clowns. Bobo. Who's Bobo? Wait, who's that clown? Is He's famous. Oh, the clown from Big Comfy Couch. I liked her. Was she a clown? Female clowns are safe. <laughs> are you sure Bobo wasn't a chimp? No, Bobo was a clown. He was a very famous clown. This is Bobo. Okay, I'd say Bobo is on the scarier side, personally. This is Bobo. I can't really turn my laptop around. I See, this is the thing. I think clowns in general. I'm like... Uh, yeah, Bobo's a little scary. Okay, so Bobo... He was, he, was, he was a very famous clown. He was just there to make people happy, but he's, he's a little creepy. Um, oh, what about the, when those people were in clown suits and running around killing people? <gasps> Wait, no. Let's talk about that. We <laughs> brushed over that <laughs> we really in did. the world. We, we really were like, yeah, that's happening. And then it stopped happening and we stopped talking about we it. We really slept on that. What was that? <laughs> that was insane. When was that? That was like while we were in college. That was our senior year of college. So it was fall 2016. I remember it was fall 2016 because I had to walk home late from rehearsal many nights back to my house. And I, I had Campo escort me multiple times because I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm Because there were clowns spotted in Allentown. Oh, I know. We really brushed over that. That was really scary. I think that took clowns from a like silly thing that we are afraid of. To like, actually, no, I would say that no, Stephen it, it, King took took clowns from a like, like, yeah, this is a thing you're afraid of and you don't know why. And then Stephen King was like, I'll give you a reason. <laughs> he wrote it. Well, and I've then, never read it or seen it, but right, I always still thought famous, they were creepy. It's, yeah. a, it's a famous scary clown. Yeah. You know, that put like, oh, we can be afraid. Like, it's kind of like how Friday the 13th put hockey masks into the scary arena. Oh, yeah. I think it kind of launched because my mom told me. When I was little, and she talked about, she said something about it, and I was like, what is that? And she goes, it's so scary. Like, I knew that that was something my mom was afraid of. So I knew that it was, like, a scary movie about a clown, and, like, that's a big reason why people are afraid of clowns. But I feel like this whole people killing each other in clown suits, I don't even remember if they, like, killed people, but there was, like, stabbings and mugging. Like, there were crimes by clown people. Really put clowns back on the map. (laughs) Not in not a good way. Kelsey thinks that it was a ploy, that it was um, planted propaganda because it came out the next year. (laughs) (laughs) Like, she thinks it was a marketing scheme, but I don't know. That no one was actually attacked. It was just like, let's say it was. Or or you thought that the people who were making it were like... Go paying out people <laughs> to attack people. I, I don't think she thought the crime, the ones that were crimes were, like, those were just a result of, like, the um, ones who were planted going out and being in clown suits. Mm-hmm. But I was so afraid. I, like, I would walk home at night and be like, I could just see someone in a clown suit. I don't know what to do. One time I got a text that was, like, one, like, because Campo would send us, like, the, 
like, there's one on campus, which, like... <laughs> Wait, what? I don't remember that. You're supposed to sign up for, like, the emergency things, and it was, like, we got two that were, like, strange person spotted on campus <laughs> or something, and I, they didn't say it was in a clown suit, but I was, like, I just know. Uh, just scary. Just really scary. Why did, uh, and then it was always like, oh, well, that's happening. But it was like, no, why no, don't we not no, give no, more no, attention no, 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 to no. what happened with that? <laughs> what happened? Okay, so are there any non-scary clowns? I feel like Ronald McDonald's the only one you can make a case for. Uh, he makes me anxious, but I think that's a mean And that thing. clown from Bear in the Big Blue House. I don't remember him. Wait, no, what was the one you just said? Big comfy couch. Big comfy. Sorry. Big comfy Different couch. shows, I'm sorry, Sarah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That clown was fine. She was great. Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers had a clown character and that clown was okay. Was it a puppet or was it a person? It was a puppet. Puppets are fine. Puppets are fine. <laughs> That's the one case for puppets are fine because usually I'm like, puppets make me anxious. No, hand puppets for children are fine. Yeah. Most other puppets make me... This is a whole separate conversation. Yeah, I'm, like, really learning a lot about what you're afraid of. I Yeah, I can't think of one clown that I'm like, okay, you definitely don't scare me. But it's also interesting because I've definitely become more afraid of clowns as an adult. Like, mm. when I was a kid, we used to go to um, Old Country Buffet every, <laughs> every week. Every week? Not every week, but often because on Thursdays they had face painting and I loved it. And there was a clown that did the face painting and I was fine with that clown. Mm. But now if I saw someone dressed as a clown, I'd be like, I'd rather not be in the well, same Well, the ones you me. see in like parades or like at face painting events, I feel like they don't do like face paint that's beyond recognition. Like it'll, they'll do like The eyes full like or white face isn't a thing anymore. Yeah. Or they'll do like an overdrawn mouth, but they, but like, yeah, we yeah. don't, you don't see like full white face. No, you really don't. So maybe that helps. And, like, I, I feel like I n- knew a lot of people in college who, like, studied clowning. clowning. Yeah, we know a lot of circus people. Yeah, but and they also different. never did the full... Right, they, like, only ever really did the nose. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with the beyond recognition part. And if you are in some sort of, like, get-up where I can't tell what your real emotions are, then it makes me anxious. Yeah, that's Like, true. if there's a mask involved or, like, I can't see your mouth or... Right, yeah. So, if you have any nice <laughs> send us nice clowns. Yeah, if you can think of any What nice, have we started? <laughs> yeah, if you can think of, I know, I, please don't flood our email inbox with pictures of clowns. <laughs> um, yeah, if you know any nice clowns, any normal, normal, nice, kind, famous clowns. I feel like I'm, we're going to get emails that's like, I'm a clown, and... <laughs> How dare you insult my profession? We have nothing against clowning. Clowning is absolutely fine. We're just saying that clowns, based off of the ones in the popular media, don't exactly have the best rep. And why would McDonald's, like one of the most, one one of the biggest chains in America. In the world. Yeah. Have a mascot that's a creepy thing that a lot of people are afraid of. And it like. I guess they got stuck with it. Like they could rebrand. Yeah. They could rebrand. They're McDonald's. Well, I mean, they have other mascots, but all of them have been weird. Like, the <laughs> McDonald's doesn't know how to pick a mascot. Who's the burglar? Wasn't that also Ronald McDonald's? No, the burglar was different. It, it's not called the burglar. And then there was that big purple one. 
someone needs to help McDonald's. What's, I mean, like, what do they call it? Like, Grimace. Grimace. Wasn't one of them called Grimace? Yeah, something like that. Like, obviously, McDonald's doesn't need help because they have a lot of money. Um, but, like, I just don't understand their mascot choices. Like, mm-hmm. they're supposed to, like, is this, is McDonald's for kids? Is it not? Like, it's very confusing sometimes. The Hamburglar. Oh. It was the burglar, but it was the Hamburglar. Okay, change the subject. Tell me about, <laughs> <laughs> tell me about anything else. Female detectives. Okay, so I have four. <gasps> the very first person I looked up. I went into a, like, a blind feminist rage because her Wikipedia page only had five sentences on it. And what? I was like, this is so underestimates, like, how amazing she was. And all of these women, like, they were underreported for their, like, considering all the work they did and, like, the amount of strides they made. And, like, wow. Okay. So, like, I just, uh, we need to talk more about famous female detectives because I feel like every true crime book I read about, like, some famous case, the, the detectives are always male. Like, yeah. every famous true crime case you can think of, it was led by a male detective. I just want to know about I feel it. like there's a lot of fictional female detectives there, that we think there about. Are, like, there are quite a few, yes. But there are it, also, like, a plethora of fictional male yeah, detectives. Yeah, far more, probably. Yeah. Like, even Agatha Christie, famed murder mystery <laughs> writer, novelist, like, her yeah. detectives were all male. Yeah. And come to think of it, the first example I thought of was Carmen Sandiego, and now I'm not sure she's a detective. She's just a... She's a spy. But Nancy Drew. Nancy Drew. Love her. I'm racking my brain. I feel like there must be more. When I, and when I Googled female detectives, everything that came up was like, list of fictional female detectives. And I was like, no, I want real, real ones. Like, it's really hard to find them. Now, when you Google detectives in general, the first thing that comes up is like detective things like Sherlock Holmes was always at the top. Mm. Um, Hercule Poirot, which I just like really butchered that name, but that's Agatha Christie's guy. Hercule Poirot. <laughs> that was really good that was probably terrible um like he's right at the top too but yeah it's like there's just so many so i don't need to tell you why we need to talk more about women doing jobs but anyway here we go <laughs> uh, so the first person's name is mod west detective mod west most of the documentation about her comes from a, a book called The Adventures of Maud West, Lady Detective by Susanna Stapleton. So a lot of the information that I gathered is from reviews of that book because like <laughs> Susanna did a deep dive into Maud's life, but that deep dive does not exist on the internet. So here we go. Mon West was a private detective in London in the early 20th century. She sold herself as the only female detective in the city. Like, she would, like, post her agency in the tabloids and, like, in the news and be like, come to my agency. And she'd be like, I'm the only female detective in the city, which was not true. Um, Historical (laughs) evidence shows that there were actually a lot of women trying to be PIs in the early 20th century. And she became a famous sleuth in London. The name Maud West is actually a pseudonym. Her real name was Edith, and she was born in Deptford, South London. Her parents were servants, so she grew up not wealthy. At age 20, in 1899, she ran away from home to marry her sweetheart, Harry Elliot. So her real name was Edith Elliot. Oh, E-E. Yeah, E-E. One day, her uncle, who was a solicitor, offered to pay her to help him solve a robbery by posing as a maid. Why do we have different words for solicitor and lawyer in England and America? I don't know. Anyway, sorry. He was a maid. Do you know what what she's been wondering? I don't know. I don't know why they're different. Probably because our government systems are different. So the role of a solicitor is... I think solicitor is what we call... What they call a private lawyer. Mm. And as opposed to a public lawyer. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. 
That was total speculation. <laughs> That's not a fact. <laughs> Disclaimer. Um, so he asked her to help him solve a robbery by posing as a maid. Mm-hmm. And she agreed. And this began her life as a sleuth and master of disguise. <gasps> So she opened up her own agency in 1905 at the age of 26. Maude achieved quite a bit of fame in her time. There are many newspaper articles written about her. An article from 1921 with the headline, Women Detectives of London Threatened to Dim Holmes's Fame, quotes Maude as saying, Woman, gifted with intuition, is endowed with a finer sort of, detect- of detective ability than man. So she was very famous. And this article was like, the one that talks about dim dimming Holmes's fame is that like we mm-hmm. don't need Sherlock Holmes anymore because we have real like amazing female detectives, which is a cool article for 1921. Yeah. So it was fair. It is fair to say that Maud West was a tabloid celebrity. She was in the tabloids a lot and people like knew who she was and they were like, cool, she's doing a really good job. Um, <laughs> good job. Good job. Maud. Maud solved cases from blackmail to robbery to adultery. She was most known for solving adultery cases. She would just like <gasps> trail men. <laughs> yes. Her husbands, which we love. Um, Maud was famous for her disguises. She would often disguise herself as a man so she could enter male only clubs and talk freely. Um, she said she could not be a woman, be a woman because women are not free to stand about like a man may. Ah! So she had to wear male disguises a lot. She would also disguise herself as a nurse, a member of the Salvation Army, a servant, and more. And she preferred disguises that would make her invisible. So people he would purposefully ignore. Yeah. Helped her. Daily Mail says this about one of her cases. The parents of a young woman did not trust their daughter's fiancé, an army officer, and asked Maude to investigate him. Maude discovered that he was a black guard, one of the worst she'd ever seen, and learned that he'd been dishonorably discharged from the military and turned to blackmailing. Not only that, he'd been married to a governess and stolen all of her money. So she she discovered all of this about this man that was conning this woman. The con man then showed up at Maude's office and began to threaten her. She wrote, this is like from her private journal. Mm-hmm. She wrote, I have just come to tell you, he said, that it is not safe for anyone, a girl especially, to go fooling around making inquiries about a man like me. And then Maud said, I have fed up quite enough about you to stop all chance of you being able to marry Miss. His face went white and the, oh, like blanks out her name. Mm-hmm. His face went white. He raised his fist and makes a quick step towards me. And then I brought the revolver to a bare point blank to his <laughs> temple and he stopped you are an infernal coward i said i was in such a rage that i could almost have shot him but then she wrote in later years i've never doubted the efficiency of a small but very useful revolver or a certain <laughs> or a certain dress ornament which contained a tiny but spiteful stiletto love um, that love that Oh, she also said this. Furthermore, I always carried a bangle with two detachable beads composed of soluble narcotics with me. (laughs) These, I could promptly dope the drink of any too embarrassing suitor. On one occasion only did I find it necessary to lose one of my beads. (gasps) So she doped a guy who was like flirting with her. Um, Yes! Now, okay, so here's where it gets a little interesting. Mon claims that she solved cases all over the world. Like, she said that Mm. in Rio, she found a cocaine laboratory and fought with a gunman. And in Paris, she rescued a young woman from a gigolo. Like, she said... sounds like a real comic book or, like... Yes, but... Hero. There's not a lot of evidence of this. That definitely doesn't mean that didn't happen. But people kind of thought that, like, she just had a really big ego, Mm. which was, like, very well documented 
represented that she did have a very large ego and that's why she was like i'm the only female detective in london yeah. <laughs> like, she wasn't so we like don't really know if these stories are true but there are a lot of like i only got tidbits of the stories like i didn't really get a full picture of any of them except for one in multiple newspaper articles west discussed a case where a woman hired her to follow her husband um because the woman thought her husband was cheating on her mm-hmm. west followed the husband across Europe and back to America. They went to like Paris and then London and then New York. And in New York, Maude discovered that the husband was participating in illegal human dissection. <gasps> so he literally was like Frankensteining some people. Ew. That's one of her odder cases. Modder. In her book, Susanna Stapleton asserts that criminals were afraid of Maude and should have been. She was fearless and hard to rattle and all of this with a husband and six children. Yep. Maude retired after How do you have time? I I think she had all the children before she started being... No, because they... No, I'm saying if you have children before, how do you have time? I don't know. It's crazy. Um, Maude retired after World War II when she was in her 60s and retired to a life of being a wife and mother. So that's our first... That's not a retirement. Well, all of her kids were adults by that point. Oh, okay. That's true. She just got to be like a grandma. I was talking to somebody today about how... um, having a vacation like when you're uh, not necessarily a parent or a grandparent like is not really a vacation because she was like i only had a week off and, but i had to spend the whole time taking care of my grandchildren and i was like that's not a week off no it's not, it's not <laughs> i mean off. it's an enjoyable time if they're good or but right it's special but it's, it's special and nice but it's not a vacation no. so that was the first detective second detective is isabel goodwin Isabel Goodwin was the first female police officer and detective in New York City. We love. We love. She was born in Greenwich Village in 1865. In 1885, she married John W. Goodwin, a police officer. They had six children, but only four survived infancy. What is with this six children pattern we have? I don't know. Um, In 1896, John died and Goodwin (gasps) became a widow at 30 with four children. So the NYPD only started hiring women and they call and they called them police matrons to look after female and child prisoners in 1881. Boo. So she decided to apply for this job and she was hired by none other than Theodore Roosevelt in 1896, right after her husband died. What? I just realized that I missed a cool detail about the 13 club. But it's Do you want to now. say it? Yeah. You can just say it. Was Teddy Roosevelt in it? There were four different U.S. presidents that were in the 13 Club. Oh, my God. That's crazy. They were Chester A. Arthur, Grover Cleveland, Benjamin Harrison, and Theodore Roosevelt. Okay. Three kind of underdogs, but Theodore Roosevelt's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> what do we really know about Chester A. Arthur? Enough. Okay. So- <laughs> Enough. <laughs> Grover Cleveland, two non-consecutive terms. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, so back Theodore to- Roosevelt hired Isabella Goodwin, which is really cool. So making only $1,000 a year and working seven days Tough a week. <laughs> and working working seven days a week with only one day a month off. Uh, yeah. Goodwin kept this position as a police matron for 15 years. $1,000 a year in 1896 is about $24,000 now. Okay. So like, but she still worked seven days a week with yeah, that's one true. day off a month. That's true. You no, you need a better salary for that full time a job. Yeah, 
seven days a week crazy um newspaper evidence shows that by 1902 she was helping with investigations so within six years and she started going undercover while her mother watched her children and then her big break really happened in 1912 in 1912 taxi bandits i don't know what that means that's what they were called i'm assuming that means they were fast i don't know (laughs) they arrived in a taxi or maybe they used taxis as their getaway cars sure sure that makes sense Taxi bandits beat up two clerks and stole $25,000, which is $600,000 today, in downtown Manhattan in the middle of the day. Over 60 detectives were assigned to the case and no one could solve it. And it became national news. <laughs> this is like that John Mulaney bit that's like crimes were so easy to get away with back in the day. Yeah, it's true. Shoot your name into the side of the bank. Uh, so Goodwin went undercover. They managed to like get a lead yeah. that seemed promising. So Goodwin went undercover as a servant in a boarding house, even going so far as to like putting on an Irish brogue while she was there. Uh-huh. Uh, it's because she wanted to find enough evidence to arrest suspect. Get ready for this name. Eddie the Boob Kinsman. <laughs> a gangster who frequented the, the boarding house to visit his sweetheart. She managed to get evidence. Even the boob has a sweetheart? Wow. <laughs> Truly. Women, men can do anything and still have fun lives. It's true. Anyway. She managed to get enough evidence and solve the case, leading her leading to her promotion to New York's first first grade female detective. That's what it's called. A first, first grade. grade. It's gonna she come was up. six years old. She was six years old. Um, that's going to come up again later. First grade female detective. Um, and her new rank of this. The Wikipedia article said lieutenant, but article said sergeant. So I was confused. But she was promoted. Uh, I don't understand the rankings of like, like lieutenant is high, that higher than sergeant. Like, I don't know. Lieutenant's above, higher but... than sergeant. I used to know all of them when I was really into the book Catch-22. It's <laughs> <laughs> like promotion's a really big thing in that. And I used mm. to know them in order. It was and then is lieutenant and lieutenant the same thing? I have no idea. I've never heard that phrase. You've never heard of lieutenant? No. I've heard of David Tennant. <laughs> that was a bad joke. We are a tenant in our building. Yeah, we, we are tenant. We are. Um, and her salary was raised to $2,250 a year rolling in it which is about fifty four thousand dollars now if i did the math right i don't quite know how to calculate inflation but it's fine that's fine i did this based off of like the article gave me that twenty five thousand dollars then is six hundred thousand dollars now and then i did some cross multiplying oh okay great so goodwin focused primarily on investigating get ready (laughs) charlatans swindlers (laughs) Fortune tellers, healers, spiritualists, mediums, and astrologers. <gasps> oh no, would we be under investigation? Yeah, she literally would have shut us down. This is a hilarious <laughs> quote from a 1913 article that was published following her arrest of some people. So this is where it says Sergeant. Detective Sergeant Mrs. Isabella Goodwin and two detectives from the central office sat in a darkened room of an old brownstone house last night and gazed in amazement at some mediumistic stunts just long enough to secure evidence. (laughs) Then they sailed in and closed up shop, but not until Mrs. Goodwin and her men had a tussle with two women clothed in the flowing robes of those who, quote, live in the land of the spirits. And a man. (laughs) 
So like, the description of the women is clothed in the flowing robes of those who live in the land of the spirits and then just a man. <laughs> like they're not going to shade the man for being in the medium's house. Women have to do so much. The women get exposed for wearing robes? Uh-uh. And then there's a photo with the article um, with the caption, the city detective who put up a stiff fight in the capture of a spook producer. <laughs> so yeah, Jane, she would have been after us. She would have not liked the shady dealings we have going on here because in their mind, all of them were faking it. So all of them were like con men. Uh, well, we're not doing anything for profit. No, we're not. In fact, but also they were like, not again. in my good Christian suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was also part of it. Okay. She later served as assistant to the special deputy commissioner in charge of the women's precinct. So at one point they established like an entire women's branch of police officers. Yeah. Law enforcement. Yeah, of law enforcement. Um, the New York Herald wrote in 1921, there is many a six foot detective with a gun on his hip who does less valuable work for his $3,300 a year than Mrs. Goodwin, a slight, quick moving little woman whose brain more than keeps up pace with her body. So essentially the article was like, you're paying men more when she's doing a better job. Nice. Just so you know. Goodwin once said that women made strong detectives because their ability to sense things for which at first you have no actual proof, which is a lot like what Maud West said. Yeah. Women's intuition goes a long way. Yep. In 1921, this is a power move. She married a man 30 years younger than her, (gasps) but kept her last name. Despite being married, she kept working, which was uncommon at the time. And then she retired in 1924. After 26 years at the police department, she died in 1943 at the age of 78. How old was she when she married the guy 30 years younger than her? Because I want to be like, yes, girl, get your She's younger man. She's born in 1865, also, like, so, she was, so she was in her 60s. Okay. So or she was in her 50s and he was in his 20s. Okay. It's uh, legal. It's still kind of creepy. But... It's weird, but it's legal. <laughs> um, Dakota Fanning's character on The Alienist is based off of Isabella Goodwin. Oh. And the character that show. The character, it's a book too. The character in the book is based off of, because it takes place in that time in New York, mm. and they are trying to catch spiritualist people, I think. What did we do? No, I'm I, don't <laughs> I don't know what we did. I just love that she was like, I'm going to get the astrologers. <laughs> um, so she died at age 78. In 1943. And fun fact that I learned from researching her, only 18% of the New York's of New York City's police force today is women. Only 18%? Yeah, today. Let's fix that. I mean, I understand why people don't want to be cops, but yeah. like, <laughs> I feel like that's not, that's that says something. Okay, I have two more and they're both short stories. Great. Mary Agnes Shanley, better known as Deadshot Mary, was an American police officer and detective in the NYPD in the 1940s. And she also lived to be 93 years old, which, like, good for her. She is only the fourth woman to achieve the rank of first grade detective. (laughs) She's only the fourth woman. That sounds like something I'd tell one of my first graders, like, if they found something that was missing. Like, I'm going to make you the first First grade grade detective. detective. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I would tell them. Um... Yeah, only only the fourth first grade detective in the NYPD and might be the first police woman in New York City to use her gun during an arrest. <gasps> Mary Stanley grew up in an Irish family in Hell's Kitchen. She joined the NYPD in 1931 as a pickpocket detective. Nice. She was a minor detective and loved using her gun to arrest thieves and pick, pickpockets, which earned her the name Deadshot Mary. Nice. 
And the New York Times wrote an article about her in 1938 and quoted Mayor LaGuardia as praising her for her keen intelligence and courage. LaGuardia was a mayor? It all makes sense now. Yeah, that's why everything here is named LaGuardia. I don't know why I thought that was the case. I didn't think he was alive in the 30s, though. I don't know when I thought it was, but I didn't think it was the 30s. I thought it was more recent than that. In 1941, Shanley shot her gun while off-duty in a bar in Queens. She was drunk. She was demoted to policewoman and placed under suspension. She returned after a month and was eventually promoted again later to detective. So she First was, grade. She was a little, yeah. <laughs> she got out of kindergarten. Yeah, yeah, she got out of kindergarten. She was a little gun happy. Mary made <laughs> over a thousand arrests in her career. Girl! And many times was able to strong-arm male suspects. She was very strong. Good. She gained notoriety in New York and was often in the newspaper for even her minor successes. People just loved her. They were like, we love her. She's doing <laughs> really good. Oh, geez, so strong. She retired in 1957 and she never married or had any children. And she retired in 1957 and died in 1989. So she was retired for 32 years. <laughs> it's a long time. And the final female detective is Muggable Mary, who was a detective in the <laughs> Wait. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it sounds like. Detective Mary Glatzel was an undercover NYPD detective who purposefully fell victim to muggings, attempted rapists, <laughs> and other crimes in order to catch criminals. Oh. So she volunteered for this job. I want to make it clear that she wasn't like the police, the people didn't, the police, the NYPD didn't, didn't hire her. And they were like, great. So you're going to purposefully get caught. Like, she was like, no, I want to do this. I yeah. should, we should dress me up so that I purposefully get caught. And yeah. then I'll turn it around on them and arrest them. Um, She was a victim more than 300 times to 300 crimes. Or an almost victim. She yeah. didn't stop them. Um, she would disguise herself as an old, sometimes blind, sometimes on a crutches woman. And all of this would happen between 5 p.m. and 2 a.m. with four to six four to six detectives trailing her just in case a crime was committed. And she did this every night. She walked around as an old woman. That's so funny. <laughs> the police resorted to this method of catching criminals because crime rates were really high in the 70s in New York. Mm. And murder rates had risen to 21.96 per 1,000 in New York, which is high. It's lucky she didn't get, like, just, like, shot from afar. But I guess that, like, you know, murder's premeditated. Yeah, most murder is premeditated. But there yeah. was just, like, so much crime happening that they were like, we just got to, like, try to get some of the, If we get some of these little criminals off the streets, like, yeah, it'll be fine. In 1975, she was named one of the ten most outstanding police officers in the country. And she was the first female officer to be awarded the NYPD's Medal of Valor in 1976. We love Muggable Mary. <laughs> Sounds like we're saying Muggle Mary. Muggle Mary. I think they... When you first said that, I was like, is she going to fall in love with a man named Huggable Harry? Or like, it, that sounds <laughs> we already like had it, one named Harry. That sounds like it would be a, a children's book. It does Huggable like Mary it and Huggable Harry. Book. They fell in love. That is everything. Yeah, that was great. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at YKWIBW Podcast. You can check out our website, I've been wondering.com. I will post photos of all of the amazing female detectives. If you like what you're hearing, you can donate to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash YKWIBW Podcast. Or if giving us money is not your thing, and that's 
I mean, that's okay. Um, <laughs> you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps us so, so much. So please leave that five-star review. It would mean the absolute world to us. And finally, if you have something that you've been wondering, you can email us. I've been wondering podcast at gmail.com. And we would love to incorporate it on our show. We would. Jane, you know what I've been wondering? <laughs> What have you been wondering, Sarah? Okay, so. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so. What are you going to say? You look so giggly. You're going to make fun of me. You're the cutest person that exists. No. You work with children. (laughs) (laughs) I actively work with several three-year-olds who are adorable. You're cuter. (laughs) Wow, that makes me feel so special. Okay, you're going to make fun of me. But okay, last night we watched Jupiter Ascending. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's been this there's been something that's been coming up a lot and it came up in real life recently and it came up in jupiter ascending and that is werewolves and i just oh, lycanthropes yes <laughs> yes lycanthropes and we played a werewolf game in our friend's house the other day like i just feel like werewolves have been popping up a lot so i want to know because we've been having this conversation i want to know about the mythology of werewolves like, werewolf lore. Werewolf lore. That's exactly what I want. Cool. You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Great. We're going to get spookier. We're going to get spookier. Spookier. I also have a spooky thing I've been wondering about. Oh my gosh. What is it? I'm excited. It's about Nicholas Flamel. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm shook. <laughs> You want me to tell you about Nicholas Flamel? I do, I really do. I've been waiting my whole life for somebody to ask me about Nicholas Flamel. (laughs) I haven't, but I'd love to. I really would love to. Great. Oh my god, it'll be just like National Treasure. (laughs) (laughs) That's how... Okay, one time I convinced Shane to watch As Above So Below because the first 15 minutes were literally just like National Treasure. (laughs) They, like, knock down some stuff in a church, and then they flip something over and put some juice on it, and some words appear, and I was like, this is fun movie, this is, like, National Treasure, you should watch it with me. And it was, um, if you've seen it, it was so, so scary. Below, you know that it's nothing like National Treasure. It's nothing Treasure. at all! But that whole thing is that they go to find the Philosopher's Stone. Yeah. <laughs> it's so scary! It is really scary. That's, like, a genuinely scary movie that scared me. <laughs> As opposed to a scary movie that didn't scare me. Well, those exist. There are scary movies that aren't scary. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. Nicholas Flamel. (laughs) I'm going to make a lot of Harry Potter jokes. I can't wait. Great. So that's what you're in store for, friends. Some spooky things. Some magical things. Some magical things. Somebody. Okay. (laughs) 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 Okay. All right. Thank you so much for listening. This is, you know, what I've been wondering.